Welcome to the MLS Leadership Show. I'm Myrna Selsler, and I'm the host of the show and founder of the Million Dollar Broker Program, building momentum and leverage in a real estate brokerage. Over the past decades, I've been a broker owner of two successful real estate offices in two very different marketplaces. We work with real estate brokers to overcome the barriers that prevent them from achieving a million dollar net to them business. We help brokers reduce turnover, improve productivity, and have predictable sales growth. We're always on the lookout for talented brokers willing to share their secret sauce in running a successful brokerage. Stick around to the end of the show and you'll find out how you can be our next guest and share your unique message about how you lead your brokerage. Hi there, it's Myrna Sousler with the MLS Leadership Show. And today my guest is Lois Kofi. And I've invited Lois to come and speak with us today because although she's not a real estate owner or manager, she worked in the real estate industry for over eight years. And since then, she's formed her own company, which is healthyandwealthyandwise.com. And Lois coaches a number of real estate agents to help them to take their businesses online and magnify their impact. And what I want to talk to Lois today about, because she's now on the coaching side of things and she's got a vantage point that's different. I wanted to talk to Lois today about um, what attracted her originally to the real estate company or companies that she joined and the good and the bad leadership she saw during that period of time. So Lois, fill us in if there's anything else that I'm kind of missing about this. Oh my gosh, no, this is great. I'm super honored. I I love my real estate um, community. I have still probably hundreds of friends in real estate and um, definitely excited to be here today. So thank you so much for for having me. So tell me, um, why did you first want to go into real estate as a career at all? Well, this is the funniest part. So I think everything happens for a reason. I did not seek out real estate. However, the irony was I had a job in college over summer working for an appraisal office and it was funny. I didn't seek it out. Then when I graduated from college, kind of a similar thing happened. I went to college for broadcast journalism because I love to speak and to write. Cool. And the but the industry was so negative and so toxic. I was 21. Mm-hmm. And Myrna, people in my, my TV station were like, Lois, quit. Get out of the industry while you can. You still have a life. You're, you have so much going for you. I was into marathons and all this kind of stuff, really healthy yeah. kind of fitness stuff. And I was like, okay. So I just, I just cold turkey quit. I saw the writing on the wall and, and I, wow. I got out and I didn't have anything. And thankfully, I came out of college debt free and I had never owned a home. I, I was actually um, a property manager at an apartment building. So it was kind of like real estate was was drawn to me. Yeah, you kept just going on the edges of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then one of my friends who, bless her heart, she was in her 80s and she was freaking out and she's like, oh my gosh, we need to find you a job. And so her son was a realtor, a very successful realtor in like the top president circle and all the things in his office. And so she chose me to go work for him for 10 bucks an hour as an assistant. I I became a personal, like, um, I guess not personal assistant, but an assistant as his real estate assistant. He would have me doing phone calls. He would have me doing collating of his buyers and sellers um, documents and things of that nature. And he would sit right next to me. I would be at a desk right next to him. And he's like, you know what? You're really good on the phone. I would love to, you know, basically pay for your real estate schooling and your licensure and have you on my team. So I was recruited, if you will, 
into the industry, but then, oh my gosh, I was like, whoa, this is fun. Like I get to make my own hours. I didn't have that boring desk job that I just left at the, uh, the TV station and then the newspaper. And I could have time freedom to also do other things because mm-hmm. that was what appealed to me instead of a J-O-B. And so um, I quickly, because of his mentorship and support, phenomenal real estate agent, great heart, just, you know, great work ethic. He trained me, he mentored me, but then he also modeled something to me that, that ironically now I'm a coach, right? So he yeah. said, Lois, as soon as you can budget for a coach. And I was like, okay, because I was an athlete. I was a student athlete. I was like, yeah, coaches. That makes sense. Michael Jordan has like how many coaches? So I want to be the best real estate agent I could be. So I hired, I scraped together the $500 a month that I paid for my first coach in that first year. And sure enough, I got to six figures, really not even working full-time hours. I didn't really even work nights or weekends. I was definitely a different breed a cat (laughs) and, and was really coachable, teachable and trainable and got in my daily lead generation hours, my follow-up, my first listings. I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. All of my clients just sort of came to me because of my interests and my friends and my relationships and my connections, which I think every real estate agent loves to be known as the realtor that you can count on and be your real estate consultant for life. Yep. And that was that was my approach back then. So one of the things that I, I would like to draw attention to is that um, the the learning curve, this business, I've seen a number of people that have gone on to be really, really successful agents. They start in that assistant role. So they know the MLS system. They know the forms. They know the contracts before they ever put themselves in that 100% commission in that, that riskier space. So how much do you think of um, that attributed to your quick start? Oh, that's a good point. Um, Because it wasn't very long. Um, I think I was maybe uh, an assistant for three or four months. Okay. Okay. Before he quickly saw this girl's got something. Um, I might want to, and he was looking at building a team at the time. He didn't have anybody else on his team. So I was like his new project, new exciting person that he could. Let's say protege instead of project. (laughs) Right. And so I was, I was super coachable, super ready and so I would absolutely say, though, that had a lot to do with my willingness to say, sure, let me give this a shot. Let me get certified. Let me pass the test. Let me start seeing what I can do. And I helped. I would cover for him also yeah. when I got licensed, of course. And so I got to work with one of the best agents and absolutely mentorship and real estate and coaching is in my world, you know, not optional. I, I don't think I would have stuck it out um, if it hadn't been for his mentorship and him believing in me and giving me opportunities to cover for him when he was on vacation and different things like that. It, it really gave me um, encouragement, confidence, ownership, and and believing in myself. Okay. So let's pull a couple of those out. Um Covering for him on weekends and stuff, activities like that, that gave you experience you wouldn't get if you're just on your own, just trying to struggle with your own deal. So that was really an important piece, right? hundred mm-hmm, percent. And then he would be there. So when you're doing your own deals, you would be talking to him and saying, is this right? Check over my contract, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are quick start things. And I really think that that idea of getting the experience when it's not all on you is a, is a fast track. 
One of the things I used to do when I had agents is I, if someone, I didn't list yourself, but if I had a friend that wanted to list herself with me, I would always share it with another agent so I could get them to do all the work. And that seemed to be like, it just seemed to, the floodgates opened once they had some actual experience doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's interesting in terms of a leadership technique. So how long did you stay with this fellow or, and, and, or did you move on or what was the, those circumstances? Yeah, that's the the kind of the fun story. I'm I'm a bit of a rolling stone, and one of the things that when I became a realtor and I was making six figures, I was like, dude, I could probably sell real estate anywhere, right? I wanted to be a snowbird real estate agent. I started in Minnesota in Minneapolis, and I was like, huh, I wonder how I could get licensed in Arizona. That was a you know a dream place for me. I'd gone there in college and had an internship and loved it and wanted yeah. to get out of Minnesota the winter. Who can blame me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I started researching and connecting with brokers down there. And actually, I didn't have to work too hard because my coach, my real estate coach that hired me said, oh, hey, if you ever want to talk to um, a broker down in Arizona, I've got the guy for you. Okay. And so he connected me and then uh, all the stars aligned. And instead of being a snowbird real estate agent, I I didn't look back. I left Minnesota, went straight to Arizona. Um, after two years of uh, being a real estate agent, um, pretty much full-time in Minneapolis. And I got to be in the president's circle. I got to be successful. I had a great book of business. I had a great house. And even my mentor was like, you're going to leave all of this behind? And I'm like, yeah. And start from ground zero again, because real estate is a relationship business. So ground zero, that's a tough gig. That was a big, you obviously didn't think it was that big of a decision though. Nope. (laughs) No, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I tend to be one of the more fearless people you'll meet. Um, and I was just looking for adventure and I wanted to get the heck out of the Midwest because I grew up there my whole life. And so Arizona was exciting and fun and new. And, and to be fair, um, I did go with that broker. Mm -hmm. um, who was referred to me by my coach. So it was just meant to be, um, because the company I was with in Minnesota didn't really have the, the same, uh, company down in, in Arizona. So I went and, uh, joined Keller Williams at the time. And so that's who he was with. So that's by default who I ended up with. And sure enough, yeah, I didn't, I knew one person in the whole Phoenix Metro. So yeah, it, it took me seven months to get my first commission check, um, calling expireds, FISBOs, all of the things and all the things that I had done in Minneapolis to be successful. And granted, I didn't have a network. So in Minneapolis, I just told people I was a realtor and I made my first sale. Phoenix, big, big metro. Um, yeah. and, uh, and actually at that time, it was a lower um, average price, sales price for the home. So I was kind of like, oh, it's a good thing I had massive amounts of income and I had a lot of savings. And then I bought my first home there, got to know the market, um, got to connect with a lot of amazing people. And of course, remembered all the things that I learned from my coach. Um, I know you wanted me to talk about good managers and not so great managers. Yeah. Uh, we so can get to that. About, tell me about le- the leadership. Like, was there th- Were there things about the leadership that attracted you or that gave you pause? Oh, or- yeah. Um, I'll say that my mentor in Minnesota who, um, I, you know, he became a mentor and a really good friend. Like we went running together. We had a great relationship and trust and rapport and for better, for worse, by default, I got into this office with a lot of, um, 
hmm, how shall I say this? Um, with a lot of people like with a, a silver spoon in their mouth mentality. Okay. Yeah. And I came from a farm in Iowa and yeah, yeah. And that just didn't work for me. And so I, I had a few experiences. <laughs> yeah. We'll just call them that yeah. with the manager um, because I would want to show up and, 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 and I was a running coach also, by the way, I, I was doing this as a hobby. Um, I was an Ironman triathlete marathoner. So I would show up at the office in my running clothes and that didn't sit well with uh, the management there. And so trying to, you know, control me and my habits and my personality mm-hmm. did not work for me. So the cool thing was when I went to Arizona, I guess, again, also the wild, wild west, there was people showing up, cowboys, right, with hats, belt buckle bigger than my waist and and boots and, and ripped jeans and, and flannels. And I'm like, oh, I think I found my home. And I could show up in my running clothes and they didn't care. In fact, they'd be like, Lois, how many miles did you run today? So they create a different culture, different community, a different was it, essence. Okay. Like, can we define it? It sounds a bit like they were letting you be you and them be them. There wasn't a stereotypical cookie cutter look or did it, was that actually a cookie cutter look of everybody being individualistic? I don't speak to that a bit because I think sometimes as leaders, we, we try to get people to conform because it's easier if everybody's sort of the same and we know how to behave, but that doesn't attract a variety of clients either. Yeah. So. It, it, it wouldn't attract me because I'm part of what I do now in coaching is speak your tooth, be you, be yourself. Cause you know, if you're trying to be someone else, it, it ends up, I, I see for me, this is just my perspective, Myrna. And I, I don't ever, you know, I, I consider myself a straight shooter I felt like the realtors who were trying to have it all, all of the money, the picture perfect life, looking, you know, beautiful all the time and the cars and the stuff, they weren't really truly authentically happy. I mean, that was just my perception. It was more of the laid back, come as you are, we love you, we accept you, you're part of the family culture was more for me. But again, that's that's me. Um, I'm I'm more we all are one. Let's let's just you know, so, another. Even, even thinking in terms of your clients that would come into the office energetically, what was it like for them to come into the office in, in uh, Minnesota and the office in, in Phoenix? What was the difference? Could it's you- funny. Yeah. I didn't really, um, I don't think I met with nearly as many people in the office in Minnesota as I did in Arizona, because I was probably subconsciously not excited um, about proud or like concerned, like it's just the, the wrong well, the wrong vibe sort of, I guess. Okay. Culture is everything. And, and, and keep in mind, I was chosen to be a part of that office. And as opposed to granted, when I went to a new office, I was technically kind of chosen as well, but it was just a, it was just a better fit. So I was happy to meet with people inside of my office because it was upbeat. Everyone was welcoming and positive and not necessarily hoity-toity or, uh, you know, assuming anything. It was just we're here to serve you. And I think the, the, the front desk ladies were always the, they call themselves the directors of first impressions yeah. and we're always very happy to serve coffee for my prospects or my clients and treating them like family. Okay. So let me go back to something you just said a minute or two ago about, um, people would talk to each other and say hello and, and sort of there'd be some bouncing back and forth of, among the real estate agents. 
um, that created that sense of family, that sense of belonging that kept you wanting to go there. Was the manager like that too? Did your manager greet you and acknowledge you lots? Oh yeah. She became one of my best friends and, um, for sure we would be trained together. We sweat, we sweated together. She was actually a singer in a rock band. So very different, <laughs> like very different from you, but still accepting of you and that your differences like, Oh yeah. 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 In fact, I kind of, she was my mentor in the real estate office and the real estate world, but then I was a running coach. Right. And she was like, Oh my gosh, let's go and do a triathlon together. And so we would train together. And that's what I meant by we, we sweated together. So there was, there was actually, they were way more interested in my outside life and hobbies as opposed to, Oh, how much are you making for us this month? kind of mentality. Okay. So a key thing is a leader, be interested in them as a person, because that will lead to the outflow of being interested in them for the money that they make, because they'll, they'll stick around, for example, and they'll probably do better, but being interested in them as a person and that saying hello in the morning, I I find is um, really critical, like getting to know the people and having a, a conversation with them, or even just an acknowledgement of them. I think that shifts the energy dramatically, doesn't it? Well, and being curious, in my first experience, it was like, oh, shame on you. You shouldn't be wearing your 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 workout clothes and your your biking shoes inside of the office. Whereas yeah. other people were like, hey, in my second experience, it was like, how many miles did you go today? Where'd you go? Being curious yeah. instead of dismissive. Yep. <laughs> or perhaps even judgmental there. Okay. Um, what other things worked really well in terms of culture building or culture acknowledgement in, um, in the Phoenix office? What else did you like or points of differentiation for you? I definitely remember more of like um, happy hours and we'd have outdoor concerts and we'd have picnics and we would have opportunities to break bread together in a way that was non non-money focused, you know? So again, goes back to the interesting, I remember I was there, I moved to Phoenix Thanksgiving weekend of 2002. Yeah. And by Christmas I had invitations to people's homes because I was by myself. I didn't have any family there or anything like that. And they were very, very welcoming in that, that culture, Um, you know, and, and, and taking me under their wing, um, wanting to show me around and, and be there, you know, and be accessible. Uh, that was, that was really, really cool. Like a lot of people were like that. Um, whereas in my first experience, if I hadn't had my mentor, this is a key component in that specific instance. If I hadn't had my mentor, I probably would have quit. That's really interesting. And I, and I'm a really firm believer a really big firm believer of that breaking of the bread. I think people sitting around having pizza together, or having some sandwiches together during a training program or something changes everything. Cause you talk differently somehow. It's sounding to me that there aren't a lot of really big things that made a difference between your comfort with the one and the other. It's just a lot of little things that add up little things that are really more significant than we sometimes give them credit for. Would that be fair? For sure. Yeah. And how are you treated by like, like I, one of my beliefs is the fish stinks from the head. So whoever's the the boss boss, Mm. it just permeates down. So how was it with the admin team that would have been supporting you with your contracts and so on? How did they treat you? And um, maybe what, if you can even address what kind of relationship you thought that they had with the, with the manager. It's a good question. Um, my first thought is in my, 
how do I explain this? Um, in the first experience, it seemed almost like, you know, the dad, the boss of the house, so to speak, reigned supreme. And I don't even remember much about the support staff, to be honest with you. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. But then in the second experience, oh yeah, I remember the transaction coordinators. I I remember the the front desk admins, the the directors of first impressions. You know, they yeah. they all, you know, not that I didn't have that in the first experience, but there was there was more uh collaboration or more team. There we go. Yeah, there was more of a, a team mm-hmm. and you know, the 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 team leader, you know, um she was really just more of the the quarterback and yeah. Maybe the coach, I don't know. Um, and in that analogy and, and just saying, hey, you all matter. You all have a role and no one person is more important than the other. That was different from my my first experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. I had an administrator once and real estate agents would come and ask her for a favor and she'd smile and say, yeah, I could do that. Everybody here gets one special favor would you like this to be yours? And they go, uh, no, no, I think I'm going to get in trouble later. I don't want, I'm not going to waste this favor on that one. I'm not going to waste this at all. It was such a good answer because she, she just offered and they were the ones that chose to say yes or no. So it was quite a funny way of doing things. And uh, it worked really well, but I'm a really big believer that like the management has to be working well with the admin so that the admin can work well with the sales team. And again, the sales team back to the management like that. That makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. So when you're coaching people that are in the real estate business now, what kind of comments or do you hear things of dissatisfaction about the, the leadership that they are experiencing so that they want to leave or how do they do workarounds or for the most part, do they have good leaders? I see that the only ones that are really resonating with my coaching, because again, remember I liked the wild, wild west. So maybe I fit more in with that kind of mentality, like be you. Be allowed to have your own brand, mm-hmm. right? Be allowed to go online and do something different and not just rely on your standard real estate replicated website, yeah, right? Your franchise site or whatever it is. Yeah. Be able to think outside the box. And, you know, teamwork does still make the dream work. So the realtors that I've worked with are still a part of teams. Okay. Having open minded brokers who are okay with obviously different places have maybe different compliance and things of yeah. approval, but I, I teach list building. I teach um, online branding and, and sales, you know, having a podcast, like, right. You know, I think it'd be brilliant for realtors to become known, be seen, be heard, and then acquire, attract your perfect ideal dream buyers and sellers yes. through podcasting and not, not just the old school mentality. I think the realtors who pivot mm-hmm. and what I've seen, with mine who pivot online, um, even if they don't have a team, you want to stand out from the crowd and be seen because there's obviously still so much competition. The market's changing and you want to be definitely seen and, and heard in a different way. And then you become seen as the expert. And if if the broker or the manager is not cool with you know that person essentially elevating themselves in their own brand. Innovating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're probably going to either a lose that agent to another company, or b just not have a really open curiosity seeking 
relationship and you just never know. I, I became a real estate trainer in my office when I was 25 and I was training people twice my age, mm-hmm. with new ideas, new scripts, new things. Um, if you don't adapt, they say you'll, you'll die, right? So mm-hmm. you got to adapt with the times. And so that would be my encouragement to people is if you're really wanting to go to the next level in this new normal that we're in, you've got to be with someone who's open-minded and allowing you to spread your wings and and fly and be seen maybe in other unconventional ways. Okay. This has been really interesting because um, I sometimes think as leaders, <laughs> as um, managers of real estate offices, we get so consumed with the deals, making sure we're in compliance and nobody's going to go to real estate jail that we forget <laughs> about the people. And if we care about the people first and some of the things you've described in terms of culture, those other things kind of fall by the wayside because of the loyalty and so on that they, they feel compelled to make sure that you're as safe as you want them to be. Would that be fair? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So if Which you- is kind of like when you think about it with your kids, right? You can, yeah. you can try to keep them and protect them and all of that kind of stuff, but they, they got to kind of fly out of the, the, the nest to, to be able to spread their wings and grow and, do things. Cause yeah, that, that I understand the compliance thing. And I know that, that, that can be a nightmare. I remember real estate contracts were very few uh, pages. Right. And then all of a sudden they started adding more and more. Oh, yeah, They're terrible. So much for saving. Yeah. Like it's just crazy now. Yeah. But okay. So if you were to ask to give advice to a real estate owner or manager right now in this kind of climate, and with based on what you know from your own experience and the people that you coach in the real estate industry, what would be your advice to attract and retain the best people? I know it sounds maybe a little cheesy, but having more of a empowering family kind of culture, um, allowing people to to be uh, innovative um, within reason, obviously. And, and I, I know every broker has got probably different rules and expectations and guidelines. So I want to honor those. Um, but by allowing them to start playing with their own brand, their own landing pages, their own, you know, email campaigns, their own, you know, Facebook ads, you know, whatever the case may be, and maybe actually providing that kind of training on site yeah. so that you can keep them there. Cause I think we're heading into a new age. Someone, I mean, I've heard it many times, no matter what industry you're in, if you aren't online and branding yourself right now, um, you'll be out of business, you know, in the next couple of years. And, and granted, most people have in real estate have been a realtor for a while and they have a sphere of influence to, to fall back on. But if they want to be innovative and attract new clients, as well as that farm or that sphere of influence, even then you got to find a way to stay visible and credible in this new world since you can't maybe do the the same. I remember I did client appreciation parties, um, pumpkin giveaways, Christmas tree giveaways, all of those different kinds of things. So I'd say being on the leading edge of creative solution-oriented ways to get your agents to be current and relevant and seen and heard would be a huge attraction tool as well as uh, retention. So one of the analogies that you made, so I just want to try to paraphrase this so it really sticks, is you made the analogy of like, um, and this was a, ne- a negative analogy to start with, but it's like the father figure, the par- parental figure within a real estate company. And as a parent, if you have two or three or five kids, whatever you have, 
you don't want them all to be plumbers. You don't want them all to be electricians. You don't want them all to be teachers or doctors or whatever. And so in the mm-hmm. same way, you're, you're suggesting that real estate managers honor the individuality of the people and support it in as many ways as they can so that they have a very diverse brokerage, which again will attract a diverse group of buyers and sellers. Yeah. If that's what they want, I think that's the best way to go. I mean, you gotta, they gotta do what's best for them. I'm not trying to, you know, sound like uh, we all have to change, but if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, we are becoming a more um, open-minded culture. Yeah. If I can say that on here. Um, I, think so. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so if you, if you want to stay in the past and live in the past and be very focused on old school methodologies and how do I say this uh, without sounding political, but, but very vanilla type of people, um, yeah. I think you're going to be left behind because I do see things evolving in the next 10 years, especially um, so many more people are open to transgender, LGBTQ, black. I mean, I'm married to a, a black man and mm-hmm. I, that first office, I don't think there was, I never saw a black agent in my second office, all sorts of different types, you know, of, of people. Yeah. So, and that was, that was back in 2002 to 2007. Wow. So, so now it's fun. Cause when you have food things, you get different foods sometimes. <laughs> like that's like yeah. Important stuff, right? Yeah, no more coffee and bagels. Uh, yeah, don't, don't keep serving that crap. But anyway, sorry, that was not meant to be said out loud. But yeah, but interesting. Okay, so Lois, I really want to thank you so much. And again, Lois, you can find her at healthy, the letter N, wealthy, the letter N, wise.com. And she works with real estate agents to help them to become better real estate agents. Going, say it one more time, like online, what do you, you call it? Pivoting. Yeah, pivoting online and being seen, being heard, being paid, and 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 standing out in the crowd so that you are being found in this new normal. Especially, how do you stay relevant with the times with email campaigns, landing pages for your listings, all of that kind of stuff is is what I help real estate agents create and do. Okay, so glad that I got to have this conversation with you, Lois, because mm-hmm. you're coming from an interesting vantage point, having been a real estate agent and now coaching them. So I really appreciate your time today. And thank you very much and the best of luck. And I hope some of you that are listening to this reach out to Lois. Thanks for listening to the MLS Leadership Show. If you're a real estate broker, owner, or manager, and would like to be a guest on the show, please visit mlsleadership.com slash guest. If you got some value out of this interview, subscribe below and share this on your social media. Hashtag MLS show. Download us in your podcast player right now. Please give us a thumbs up rating and review the show. Share the value you received from listening in. Connect with me via social media. Check out our website at mlsleadership.com and see if there's some ideas you can use in your own brokerage. It's Myrna Selsler with the MLS Leadership Show and founder of The Million Dollar Broker. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.